Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, where another big marker in the Premier League title race will be laid down this weekend. Can Manchester United, revitalised under Eric Ten Hag, announce themselves as genuine contenders in the race? Or will Arteta's Arsenal, almost faultless up till now, reinforce themselves in top spot? For the second weekend running, we've got big business at the top and at the bottom of the top flight table. As David Moyes, on the brink at West Ham, welcomes his former employers Everton to London Stadium. Frank Lampard under pressure of his own at the Toffees and similarly will return to an old stomping ground, this time in the dugout. And of course, we have to touch on Pep's passion. Guardiola grilling his players post-match last night as a second-half turnaround saw off Spurs. But he says he doesn't recognise his Manchester City side, whilst instead of glory, glory, it was the same old story for Tottenham Hotspur. This is your Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team, Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe now and don't miss an episode, including our chat with Manchester United legend Brian McClare from earlier this week. Just scroll back in the timeline to find that. I'm Niall McCorn and I'm joined today by Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. Buenos dias, senores. Don't give any any of that paella stuff. Don't give... Don't give Joel the chance to talk about prawns uh, at this early in the morning. No matter how tired I am, I could go to town with that. When was the last time you ate a crustacean, Joel? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. (laughs) And it went down absolutely sublimely. I reckon you consume more prawns and shrimps than the average British person. You know what I'm really scared of, though? When you have too much of something, sometimes your body can just change and just really dislike it. I really hope that day doesn't come. But if it does... You know what? I may as well not eat again because that's literally just one of the life, the north star of my life, <laughs> eating seafood. <laughs> is is it literally just uh, prawns and shrimps, or do you like a bit of lobster and crabs and all the rest of it? No, oh, anything that's in that sea, get it on my plate. Anything can go. I hope. I hope Joel means like the Mediterranean Sea because the seas all around the UK are just full of human poo. So. <laughs> Plastic bottles and and dead fish. Not Blackpool. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a bit more, a bit more south, would he? That was a random start <laughs> to Monday's po- uh, to Friday's podcast, but oh well, very random. But you know, it's been one of them weeks because we've had loads going on in the Premier League. Of course, as I mentioned, we spoke to Brian McClare earlier on this week. Some great stories from him. But today we're going to focus on the weekend. But before we do that, we need to look back a little bit to last night at Etihad Stadium, where Manchester City beat Tottenham by four goals to two. And if you just picked up the scoreline this morning and you have no context of the game, it probably looks like Manchester City did the job they needed to do and it was pretty simple certainly wasn't the case Tottenham took the lead they were 2-0 up but they couldn't hold on a second half flurry from Pep Guardiola's side means they come back to win by four goals to two the fact that Tottenham were two goals in front and couldn't hold on Marley is that indicative of the sort of side Spurs are at the moment yeah I think um, I think the game was was a perfect summary of of both sides um fortunes this season and Spurs in general for the last probably go back the last three years four years ever since the well probably if you really wanted to all the way back until they last won something because that what was that 2008 League Cup or something like that so it was it was them giving themselves hope and then swiftly thinking oh we're on the verge of doing something here and just completely crumbling like I don't know I don't even know how that happens. How, how such a, a turnaround? Like, not focusing on what Man City did better, but still, you've got to you've got to do something worse in that second half. I don't know what what happened to Spurs in in that sense because you know you, you're winning two 0 you're cruising, your game plan's working, and then it has to be a psychological thing. It can't be anything else. It can't just be tactical, and it can't just be little mistakes. There was mistakes, of course, but. Does that? I think that feeds in from the mentality of "Oh Christ, we're going to beat Man City away at the Etihad again." Not ra- like instead of rather than like going right. Yeah, we're going to beat Man City because we're a class team as well. We're top. We're you know we're um, fighting for the Champions League and we're a good team. It's just like they, they just sort of panicked, like a, a rabbit in the headlights type of thing, and and City just ate them up. It was like a lion versus a rabbit in that second half. And if the game had carried on another half an hour, it could have been. Five six two, you know what I mean. It was just a total turnaround, and and um, Guardiola got away with one. But Spurs have that soft belly, and they always have. That's why you know the term Spursy comes comes into everything uh, as soon as they blow a lead, and unfortunately, it happens for them far too often. And I I always wonder what type of lasting psychological effect that has on players and managers. Um, when that happens to Spurs, because it keeps happening. It's happened to Kane for his whole career. We're now in a point where we're talking about Harry Kane's future and his contracts coming to the final year or whatever it may be now. And you just think defeats like that will scar him massively. And, you know, if Bayern come along with guaranteed silverware or Man City or Man United even maybe come along, you just think, are nights like that going to really be in the forefront of his mind when he's thinking do I stay or do I go I'm 29 I want a trophy don't really care what it is you know how how much does he think about that defeat because I think it'll be a lot yeah obviously damaging for Tottenham and you know problems have been there for Tottenham for a while now probably since before the World Cup and speaking of the World Cup Hugo Lloris managed to guide France to the final as they look to retain their World Cup crown from 2018 obviously we all know the story with Argentina and Messi eventually winning it 
But he's come back to Spurs and he's made a couple of mistakes, including one last night where maybe some people might say it's harsh to call it a mistake, but you don't want a goalkeeper in the Premier League to be beaten at his near post. One of the top, uh, one of the Manchester City goals, Lloris was easily beaten at his near post. Is he waning, Joel? Is he finished now? He's in his mid-30s. Conte clearly wants some defenders in the transfer market. Do you think he might be looking at a goalkeeper as well at this point? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Conte's defensive first, isn't he? And when you have a backbone, the first port of call, your defender, which is basically your goalkeeper and you can't be relied upon, that's basically just the whole weakness in your side straight away. I mean, even happened, it's not even just this season, it started to begin to show signs even last year, I would say. And now, obviously, he's retired from international football. I don't think that's going to help anything. I think it's probably a favour for France, to be honest, because they need another stronger keeper to take his place because now he's in his mid-30s. I know keepers can go on forever, but some of them start to lose just that split reaction where they used to be incredible at it, and now he just seems as though the most easy foundation stuff he's getting wrong time and time again. I mean, that Mares goal, like you just mentioned, where he literally beat him at his near post, it wasn't anything crazy of a shot. It was just very low and hard, and that's the, that's the, that's the type of stuff that I know goalkeepers train when they're younger to not get beat at your near post. It's almost like drilled into them. And the fact that that's basically allowed City to go on and win the game, these are the moments that dictate how a manager <laughs> survives at a club. And Conte, I know he'll probably be really disappointed in the result, but it's the fact that mistakes like that are the reason. It's not really the reason of his team. It's just these little errors. Even like, for example, Perisic stepping up and not winning a challenge, which then lets City on the counter-attack. Just small moments like this that Tottenham allowed Manchester City into the game way too easily. So I think... For Conte, it's just out of all these teams that I've watched, you know, the Chelsea team and the Juventus team, which were the best ones, when you went from the ground up in terms of analysing his team, the goalkeeper was one of the best in the team, always. You know, you had Theobald Courtois for Chelsea, who was one of the best at the time. Then you had Gianluigi Buffon at Juventus and Chesney for a period of time. They were both, all all three of them were at the at their pinnacle, probably one of the best in Europe. Right now, Lloris is way, way far from that period of time. And uh, if Conte manages to see out this transfer window, I think it'll probably be one of the most priority areas because they can't keep going on like this, where they're letting teams into the game needlessly because of a keeper who can't do the basics right. Well, obviously, as we mentioned, Manchester City came back to win. They've got the three points. They keep the pressure on Arsenal. But despite the fact City turned it around, Marley, Pep Guardiola post-match was absolutely fuming. He says that he doesn't recognise his team. Have a listen to this. There's nothing from from the stomach, from the gut. And today we're lucky. But if we don't change, uh, sooner or later we're going to, again, to drop points. So what are the things that are missing? Guts, for guts, one, guts. what you're talking about? Uh, passion, fire, and and desire, and to win, and for the day, minute one. And it's the same as our spectators, our fans. So they are silent 45 minutes. And then they boot at half-time, some of them? Uh, yeah, that's good. We play good. They boot because we're losing, but not because we play bad. We play good. We have more chances. Expecting goals from Tottenham is zero, plus 89. So we are better. They boot because uh, they um, uh, we were losing, but maybe it's the same like like our team. Maybe we are so comfortable winning four Premier League in five years, and that's why we, you know, and after we score a goal, they react. Yeah, but that's not the point. 
So do you think from players and spectators maybe four titles in five years, a lot of success, loads of success, maybe a little bit of fire's gone out of everything? Definitely. So how do you get that back, that, that fire, the guts you're talking I about? I insist. It's my duty, my job. I want my fans back. I want my fans in uh, here. Not my away fans. My away fans is the best. But my fans here, for the doing one, support in every corner and every action and, and support it. So the Premier League, no wait. We have an opening Arsenal, like it's, it's how Do you many? think they look like a team that hasn't won the Premier League for a long time and you look like a team that's won it four two, and five? Two decades without winning the Premier League. And every player knows we'll be in history, like we felt when we won the first Premier League and won all, break all the records and another one back to back and two times back to back. But you're not happy. It's not, I mean, it's not my questions, is it? You're not happy with your players. Of course I'm not. I don't recognise my team. My team always had passion, have desire and everyone. So Pep Guardiola really not holding back with how he feels about his team, saying that there's no fire, there's no fight. Almost they're a little bit nice. He was talking about the fans and how quiet they were for the first 45 minutes at the Etihad. And he said that maybe because they've won four of the last five Premier Leagues, they kind of feel a little bit blasé, I guess. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But there was booze at halftime. We haven't heard that at the Etihad for a long, long time. Um, If ever, at least under Pep Guardiola in my memory. Uh, He also then in his post-match press conference called his team a happy flower team. Almost as if to say they're a bit of a soft touch. They're still well in the title race, but can you understand his frustrations? Can you see where he's coming from? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, he's he's trying to guard against um, complacency, and obviously he feels like this season it's creeping in too much. You know, they're what are they seven seven or eight points behind Arsenal right now. Um, he he sort of mentioned Arsenal a little bit um, in his in his interview with with Sky, and he said like. You know, it's they've got the hunger and we we haven't like we we're not hungry to win our first title. Arsenal haven't won a title in two decades, so you know it it it's a point though. Like I mean, a lot of people say like, oh, it's it's hard to win three titles back to back, um, and only Ferguson's done it. And like, but think about how Ferguson did it. Like he scared everyone into into playing for him every week. Like it's so hard to do over a long period of time. Um, and Guardiola's feeling that I think I think he's not quite the same um, man manager. I don't think that, that Alex Ferguson was. Um, you know, people would literally go and break a leg to win a tackle that would save Man United a game. I don't think Guardiola has that type of um, same impact. I think he's got the the respect from the tactical side and what he's done in the game, and that puts him on a pedestal above other managers. But it can still sort of seep in as we're seeing you know Man City look beatable now I think they've looked beatable ever since um, they drew with, with Newcastle 3-3 at St James's and they were behind twice and you know they couldn't kill the game off when they got in front um, and then you see the last couple of weeks you know they've they've gone down to um, to teams you'd expect them to to play off the park basically so he's, he's guarding against it and it, he, he, he knows what the problem is he knows the problem's consistency um, and complacency seeping into his game, but it's a hard problem to solve because to the the one surefire way of guarding against complacency is to sell players and get new ones that haven't won things. But the frustration with that is you sell it. You'd have to sell really good players. You'd have to sell like Gundogan, who's been incredible 
for for Man City for six years, and you'd have to sell players like Mares and, and sign new ones, and it's just you know Rodri, Ake, Stones, people like this that have won loads of things, Edison, but you know it's not it's not really feasible. You you can't really go out and sell them because not many clubs can buy them. Not many clubs would want them for the wages they're on. Um, you'd have to get the timing right of like five or six players. Like Bernardo, for example, has been linked with moves away for years, but nobody can actually afford him. Nobody can put a package together good enough to come and get him. So if you were going to compl- guard against complacency by selling them, you're probably only going to get one or two, one or two out in in the summer, and that's it. Like so, Guardiola is just trying to put a rocket up them basically, and we'll see whether it happens because we all know Man City are capable of putting fifteen consecutive wins together and walking away with the league like they've done it before they've done it in that Liverpool season um, when Liverpool came second with 97 points um, and it's it, it remains to be seen but I, I like the interview I, I like that he knows what's happening he could have easily said really proud of the comeback um, the lads showed great character all the cliches blah 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 roll them all out but instead it was the typical spiky pep interview where he was uh he was intent on an ulterior motive, which was motivating his side for the rest of the season. I think that that Happy Flowers press conference might go down along with the Jose Mourinho special one, the Rafa Benitez facts. I think that, that will go down as one of the iconic Premier League press conferences. And then Mourinho one where he called him Fat Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pep Guardiola says the fire's gone from his team. He also said, Joel, that Arsenal will destroy them if City play like they did against Spurs. What do you make of that comment? It's got nothing to do with Arsenal, this. He's, he's basically detaching himself from his team. You know, the way in which he said, I don't recognise my team anymore. He's challenging them from afar. He knows that they're going to be listening and he knows that this Arsenal team are so consistent and they have the fire in the belly that maybe that first City team had under him where they wanted to prove everyone, prove to the manager that they can do it. To do three in a row, like Marley said, under the Ferguson era, is a different kettle of fish, this, because Alex Ferguson had that fear factor. I don't think Guardiola has that. He's more so just trying to prove that he they can stay in the team and continue that consistency. And I just think with this, I've never seen him so animated in a press conference and he never usually gets involved in this kind of thing. I always remember, if anyone's seen the Luis Figo documentary, when Jose Mourinho, sorry, not the Figo documentary, it was a Real Madrid El Clasico documentary, and Mourinho started trying to challenge Guardiola in press conferences, and he just didn't want anything, didn't want to get involved in it. He's usually a pretty quiet guy. The fact that he's getting involved in like these verbals to his team, it just kind of shows me that there's a motivation issue in the, te- in the team. I think that's the bottom line. I think they've gotten so used to winning. I think the fans have gotten so used to winning, as we've heard with the boos at half time, that it's almost like taking for granted just how hard it is to win Premier League titles. And now the fact that they find themselves trailing Arsenal, who are now rising to the challenge of trying to compete with City, Guardiola wants a reaction from them quickly. Otherwise, he knows that they're going to fall far, far behind. So... I think he's shifting all expectation onto Arsenal now. No expectation on this City side because apparently he doesn't recognise them anymore. So all everything's on Arsenal. It's for them to go and win it. That's the one-horse race. And when his team are ready to come back to him, all right, we'll go again and we'll try and chase them. But for now, he's basically saying, you come back to me when you're ready to be motivated because it's not easy to win Premier League titles year in, year out. As they saw against Liverpool, it was a tough, tough task every year. And now he's, he's basically he's, he's calling for him as a bit of a war crisis to say, do you want to try and win three in a row or not? Are you with me or not? 
it's very um it's very subliminal i would say because usually his interviews are very sarcastic a little awkward now he's basically coming out and saying are you with me or not because if not then let's not go for the title that's why he said after the manchester derby i don't care about it i just want to see my team who's got the fire in the belly um and it makes sense to me completely so let's see because i feel like they're taking for granted the status that they are at the moment and um, arsenal definitely aren't they're going for it Well, Manchester City 4, Tottenham 2 was the final score last night. Here's how the top end of the Premier League table looks. Arsenal still lead the way on 47 points, 18 games played. That was City's 19th last night, which means they've got a five-point gap back on 42, but they've played a game more. Manchester United are on 39 points, whilst Newcastle complete the top four on 38. Tottenham stay fifth but they are on 33 points and they are five points off of Newcastle United with just one win in their last five games. Three of those have been defeats as well. So that's how the top end of the Premier League table looks and it might change again come Sunday night because Arsenal and Manchester United do battle. We'll talk about that next after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, a Premier League podcast from the Sport Social team. Brian McClare is a Manchester United legend and spoke to us on Wednesday's edition of the show. So scroll back in the timeline to find that. And hit subscribe because you'll hear more from Brian on next Wednesday's edition of the show, including times that he had under Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. How he maybe didn't quite rate David Beckham as a player Manchester United should keep hold of. That's a story worth listening to. But from a United perspective, the thing that will be at the forefront of most fans' minds for now is this game on Sunday against Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. It's third versus top in the Premier League. One of the biggest games of the season for me, Marley. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this whole last week has been just a monumental week in, in, in the season. I think you could see it coming into it and the way it's played out and then you can see looking you can imagine in in April we're gonna look back at this weekend and be like that was a real like checkpoint, like turning point type thing because whatever dog happens Dog agrees as well. I know next door dog's going absolutely nuts. <laughs> uh, You're saying at both ends of the table, don't forget relegation. Yeah. <laughs> he's barking away. I know. <laughs> she's uh, I think she's locked out, it's freezing outside, so she's locked out next door. Um <laughs> trying to get in the patio doors. Yeah, huge week because it could be you know, it could be ten points at the top of the league. Um and it could be four. So, you know, coming into this game, I think when City were two nil down last night we were looking at 
uh, Arsenal being 10 points clear if they beat Man United on Sunday, but obviously it comes back to, to 7 points now and it could be down to 4 by the weekend um, when uh, when Arsenal take, take the field against Man United, but that's a, that's a huge game because you know we talk about Arsenal wanting it and Arsenal you know, having the advantage and being in the driving seat now, like firmly, even with the bookies and, and the general fan feeling. But mentally, they've been beaten by Man United before. They're the only team to, uh, that they've lost to this season and they've not got Casemiro and he's a big part of the way they play. And they know what's on the line. They know that this is huge for the title race and they know that um, they need to to kill off Newcastle in, in fourth because Newcastle play Crystal Palace. You probably expect them to win that game. Um, so, you know, they're fighting for that and they're fighting to affect the title as well. So, um, and also fighting to potentially overtake Man City. I think they still can this, this weekend. So, um, it's, it's big. It's really big. One of those old rivalries as well, Joel, that maybe died out in recent times. I don't think that's unfair to say, you know, Arsenal and Manchester United used to compete for Premier League titles 20 years ago. Maybe we might see a renewal of that rivalry. Do you think that United beating Arsenal is a determining factor in whether they're in the title race? Because if they had beaten Palace, this game would have been even bigger. It's still a huge game, no question. But do you think that this game dictates whether Manchester United are serious challenges for the league? Honestly, in my opinion, I think you need to manage expectation with United this season because let's not forget where United were at the start of the season, where Ronaldo euphoria was going round, Ronaldo mania, we got absolutely smashed by Brentford, everything was on the downhill. And right now, let's not forget as well, we've only just had to sign um, a proven striker in Veghorst who's clearly not going to be the guy for the future. We haven't got the team equipped to do it in comparison to, for example, City and Arsenal. We just find ourselves in a position which is a really consistent, is the result of being really consistent. So although everyone sees us kind of close to Arsenal, I don't even think this is a determining point in our season. I think it's more so for Arsenal. The expectation's all on them because let's say we even lose against Arsenal on Sunday. I don't think it's the end of the world because I think bottom line is we just need to be back in the Champions League this year and of course if you're in a title race and you somehow get dragged into it it's fine but I think Tenag will be managing expectation in the dressing room but going on the game just as a whole make no mistake this is by far the biggest Arsenal Man United game since probably 2009 I would say in the Champions League semi-final and that's when both teams were pretty top top teams in England Arsenal were kind of challenging for the league but just didn't have enough to keep up with United and Chelsea and although everyone keeps saying it's a big big title contender big title clash I just wish that the wind wasn't knocked out of the United sale just midweek because I think it would have been even bigger or felt even bigger had we have beaten Palace and had Casemiro still remained in the side because then that would have truly started to dictate where the table would start to shape up but regardless I think it's just great to see United and Arsenal being competitive against each other again. It's been too many years of just kind of, you know, either Arsenal being top four contenders, United languishing a little bit behind, or Arsenal, you know, finishing the season in sixth, United in fifth. It's been constant, constant just mediocrity. This is the first time where both teams are really, really good consistently. Um, but like I say, the ball's in Arsenal's, Arsenal's court with this one. And you make a really good point. You know, United are the only team to beat Arsenal this season. 
Psychologically, I don't know what that does for them because without that, Arsenal are invincible this season. They've not been beaten by any other side. So I don't know if that plays a role in just the pressure that Arsenal might be feeling on Sunday because we did it without Casemiro back in October. So it's going to be an interesting um, occasion. I really can't see the way in which it's going to go. But I do know that it's going to be a much bigger struggle without Casemiro because he's been monumental for us. Who do you think is going to win, Marley? Uh Football's the winner. Oh, chicken. No, uh, no, if I had to go, I'd say Arsenal because it's at home. Um, I think the Casemiro effect is is massive. Um, I don't really back Fred and McTominay or Fred and Eriksen or whoever it may be to, to handle uh, Thomas Partey and particularly Odegaard. Um, I think that creativity is a bit much um, and Sacra and Martinelli will have, will have some sort of joy at some, some stage. Um, and Arsenal will sneak it, and we'll all get uh, well. We'll all have to get used to Arsenal being genuine title contenders because it'll be another hurdle that they've uh, got over. All right, Arsenal, Man United, four thirty Sunday, big game in the Premier League at the top end, and at the bottom end, the biggest game that we've picked out takes place at London Stadium between West Ham United and Everton. There will be some David Gold tributes before the game, just so West Ham can pay their respects to their late chairman who passed away a couple of weeks ago. But I think Joel David Moyes and his future at West Ham United—he's up against his old club in Everton, somewhere where he was pretty successful. If he loses against Everton, do you think he'll lose his job? I mean, I feel like the writing's on the wall for him either way. If it's not this game, then I think it's going to be in the next five. These two teams come up against each other with the worst form in the league, combined with the both of them. And I just think with Moyes, and we always speak in the the office about how I personally believe as well, David Moyes just cannot manage talent in terms of, you know, Skamaka, Piqueta. I don't feel like he can get the most out of them. I don't think he's that level of manager that can truly let them flourish in a really fast flowing side I feel like that's why he's targeted for example Harry Maguire he's gone for Danny Ings he's gone for tried and tested players now because the ones that he's bought you know let's not forget Skamaka was very close to joining Paris Saint-Germain in the summer and I'm sure they would have got a tune out of him I know it's a bit more of a different kind of style of league and different kind of players around him but he is that quality of player he didn't he didn't get 20 goals in, in Italy for no reason last season. He's still got a lot of potential. And the fact that they're almost second-guessing themselves and going for Danny Ings, it just shows to me that they're just a little bit confused in the way in which the direction of the club's going, I think. And for David Moyes, I wouldn't be surprised now if the owners have already kind of taken a decision regardless. I do think that it's just reached the end of its course where they need another manager, a younger, talented manager with fresh ideas can now take these really... It's a talented group of players. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, it's a really good basis for any manager who who can come into it and try and transform it. I just think he's reached the end of his life cycle there and it's time for someone to take the reins and truly get the best out of it because fundamentally not much has changed from last season. They they finished, what, 6th or 7th last year trying to get around the Champions League spots and now they, they find themselves in 18th. What's really gone wrong there? Because they spent 150 million and you can only point towards one thing and that's the manager's not getting the tune out of the players anymore. So I think for me, the writing's on the wall. I think for both of them, to be honest, um, they may as well just switch managers and try that for a change, put Lampard at West Ham and Moyes at Everton. It might actually work out. It is one of those weird narratives, obviously, with West Ham having links to Frank Lampard and David Moyes having links to Everton and those two managers being under pressure. But 
it's almost as if Lampard is under pressure because Everton are playing so badly, Marley. But when it comes to the Toffees, there's obviously bigger issues at play there. And the fans we saw had this mini protest after the game last weekend against Southampton where they took the lead but ended up losing it 2-1. They're in the relegation zone. They've got a new stadium on the way. They're not happy with the way that Farhad Mashiri has spent his money. There are so many factors. We even saw Yerry Mina, I think, blocked in one of the streets around Goodison Park and couldn't get home. Um, After being an unused sub. Yes, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it almost feels like the fans have kind of bypassed Frank Lampard in terms of their frustrations. And yes, the players need to perform better. And yes, Lampard needs to perform better. But it doesn't feel like he's under as much pressure as David Moyes, even though both clubs are in the same situation. Yeah, I think I think it it does just it comes back to the fact that I think everybody in football, and that includes everybody at at the club, knows that Everton aren't aren't the problem. Um, sorry, the manager isn't the problem. It's the board. It's you know they've they've managed things terribly, um, and to some extent, I have a bit of sympathy for for the Everton fans and and things like that, but. But also, I don't think they, were they complaining when they were spending all that money. Were they were they saying, you know what, would would take would take tenth, would take ninth, eighth Europa Conference League, whatever. They were, oh no, we'll we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get crash that top four and all the rest of it. And they, they signed absolute crap. Um, Ancelotti leaving was a was a freak thing that nobody could really see coming, and I think that's what really derailed them. Um, because all of a sudden, everybody that came to play for Ancelotti didn't have Don Carlo to to learn from, and you know the next guy was brought in, and it was just ah, oh, right, okay, well, I don't really like the Merseyside weather. I'm gonna go and play in the Middle East like Alan did, and James Rodriguez followed it. Uh, well, went before him as well, and that that sort of derailed them. But you fast forward to now, and it's like. The only way to almost get out of this situation is to do what you've been doing already and spend a load more money. Like, that's that's football for you. Like to get out of trouble, you've got to back it like with serious capital or hope for a miracle. Like hope a manager can come in and and work wonders on a shoestring budget. And I don't think Lampard's ever gonna be in a. He's not got that experience to do that. Like he's a young manager still finding his feet in the game. You can't really expect him to. To get a tune out of Alexi Wobi and Dakure and you know these players that that just aren't game changers for him, you know, and even Anthony Gordon's lost his place now because he's he's realised that he he causes more problems than he than he uh, than he solves type of thing. So it's um, it's a tough situation for Everton, but we could be in this weird situation where um, West Ham win and then Moyes. <laughs> goes anyway because it goes and takes over everything again it's it could be a really strange weekend of of uh managerial movement because obviously as the as we say there's a lot of uh games going on that can affect the bottom of the league where there's probably eight teams in that bottom of the league where they don't look anywhere near comfortable and everybody looks poor well, here's how the bottom of the Premier League table looks. Propping up the rest, Southampton 20th on 15 points, but they are 
the only team in the bottom three to have won any of their last five games. That came at the expense of Everton, who are just above them by virtue of six goals better off in goal difference. They're also on 15 points. West Ham completed the relegation trio with 15 points again, just one goal better off than Everton. So you don't need me to tell you from that mathematics just how important that Hammers versus Everton game is. Above the relegation zone on 16 points of Bournemouth and then it's Wolves, Leicester and Leeds all on 17, moving up to 14th. Now, one big game this weekend that maybe would have had more focus on it, Joel, had the two teams involved been doing slightly better, is Liverpool against Chelsea. Liverpool are ninth, Chelsea are 10th, both sides on 28 points. Now, no doubt many people will watch this game over the weekend because of the two clubs involved and the calibre of those two clubs. But ninth and 10th, Liverpool and Chelsea. It's been a strange season. All eras have to come to an end, like Eric Ten Hag said, you know. These are, this is the situation that both clubs find themselves in. Something's gone fundamentally wrong with both of them. Um, the only issue when you focus on the managers, for example, one has more time than the other one, I would say. In terms of Jurgen Klopp, he's built his credibility there, his reputation's probably as big as the club at the moment in terms of how how he's done in the last six, seven years. But in terms of Gray and Potter, I think there's massive pressure on him for this one because especially since they play one more game than Liverpool, they could find themselves in 11th, 12th if they lose. And this is at Anfield as well. But I think with Liverpool, the most alarming thing that I've seen is that without Virgil van Dijk, the defence just completely capitulates. I mean, they've conceded eight goals in four games in the Premier League, which is pretty uncharacteristic considering just how defensively sure they've been in the last few seasons. And the fact that, you know, they lost 3-0 to Brighton, 3-1 to Brentford. These are the games that are usually the bread and butter for them in terms of completely cleaning them up, playing even better in the more top four games, uh, like against Chelsea, like against United, Arsenal, City. And it's just not working for them. And I think even when you look to the forward line, I saw the forward line where it had Oxlade-Chamberlain, Gakpo and Salah. I mean, when you look last season, it was Mane, Firmino, Salah or interchange with Jota how much of a come down in quality is that it's unbelievable and I don't know if that's a case of the owners just not continuously backing him in terms of um, needing constant replacements and refreshments because that midfield as well is completely poor Um, but Liverpool are short of answers at the moment and I think Jurgen Klopp although they find themselves in 10th I don't think it's as bad as what everyone's making out because one win would put them right behind uh, Tottenham in in fifth place and I still think they have the momentum and the depth to try and reach that fourth spot but right now for both teams they're in a little bit of disarray one team's trying to find an identity and the other team's trying to find some quality and in the mid-season it's difficult to find but I think for Potter it's a it's going to be a real pressured situation this one well, that's the 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. It kicks off the Premier League weekend. Some of the other matches, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, Leicester, Brighton, Southampton, Aston Villa. Crystal Palace hosts Newcastle United as the evening kickoff on Saturday. And moving into Sunday, Leeds welcome Brentford. Manchester City take on Wolves. And on Monday to round off the weekend, Fulham against Spurs, 8 o'clock kickoff. Right, lads, have a great weekend. I wonder how the Premier League table will look on Monday morning. Whatever it does look like, we'll be there to talk about it. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of Football Social Daily. We'll catch you then on FST. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.